This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Before Nickelodeon, she was the CMO of Gimlet Media, a Spotify company. She was the head of marketing for Hulu, and prior to that was the VP of marketing at Netflix. We're excited to hear about Jenny's impressive experiences. And Jenny, please help my child stop watching Paw Patrol all the time around the clock, y'all. You, you won. You won in this house. Paw Patrol everything. <laughs> Thank you. Paw Patrol everything. Good job. Jenny it's, Jenny, it's great to see you. Thank you so much for being part of this and uh, anchoring us uh, this wonderful morning. Thank you, Gary, and thank you, Roy. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Jenny, I'm actually going to use your prior experience a little bit here to bring value because I'm reading Twitter and trying to bring as much value to everybody. Uh, hashtag marketing for the now if you have a question or an observation. Jenny, talk to me about audio. Obviously, you know, you being at Gimlet uh, and a pioneer there. Just two seconds before we go into other matters. How do you see audio as a as a medium? Where do you see it sitting? Obviously, you know, Roy's career a lot, you know, was built on the back of, of radio. We see this whole revolution of podcasting. Your two cents on it, because I do think you have a lot of uh, important observations. Yeah, I mean, audio, I, I, I specifically took the job at um, Gimlet in order to learn audio because I felt like it was an extremely important touch point that was missed during the day. That from that, I used to call it the, well, I still call it the eye to the ear strategy, meaning once they leave the couch, how do you actually keep people engaged in your brand? And the with Alexa and with cars, um, it just makes mm -hmm. sense that you continue the story throughout audio or whether that's in your ears. And it's also what I learned there is just how intimate really the audio experience is. And I, Daniel X said something really I think important when when he acquired or his company acquired Gimlet obviously that just showed the I think relevance um, of where they were putting their bets in regards to Spotify and betting in podcasts and also just audio storytelling and he said I can't believe that the ear or the eye is 10 times more expensive to buy than the ear. And he just felt like that was just something to say this is actually an extremely important medium and so Going to, going to there has actually helped me as another step in my career to realize, okay, let's just use an example for Blue's Clues, and maybe your son's too old for that, but Blue's Clues, we're going to do story time with Josh and Blue, whereas you could use it at nap time or you could use it at bedtime. And so just trying Smart. to find these moments or like, okay, Smart. the average drive is eight minutes to you know, to a preschool, um, what do I do with a kid in the car? And okay, I've got to watch, listen to Story Pirates because it's actually an audio experience. And then also I just think that people's parents, including myself of a six-year-old, especially during this time, is really trying to figure out how do I get my kid off the iPad? Um, and if I can get them into more of imagination through sound um, and actually creating worlds uh, just- I think that's a big deal. Yeah, it's um. So anyway, that was longer than my two cents or two seconds. But I do. I think audio. No, no, it's a, it's. A, I. But th but this is why we wanted you on, and this is why I wanted that question. I think your point when you when you listen to some of the incredible storytellers of the 1970s, uh, uh, 1960s, a lot of them refer to sitting around the radio and listening pre-TV as an incredible driver for their capacity for imagination. And I think why not replicate that. I like that. Roy? When you all, um, let's just talk about the pivot at Nickelodeon, um, the cultural pivot, not COVID, but with George Floyd and just tonally as a company, what were some of the internal discussions that you all had as you started making the decision of it? Because I feel like the corporations and networks, there was kind of a staggering of which companies and which media started doing stuff. And I feel like Nickelodeon 
was at the front of that. What was, where was the decision? Talk me through the decision to be one of the first networks to make a bold statement. And you can tell everybody what the statement was with the 846. Yeah, so um, it wasn't hard at all. And that was, I think we realized very quickly what side we wanted to be on. And Viacom, CBS uh, came out with, we're gonna go dark. Bob came out, we're gonna go dark for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And we said, who's participating? And I have to give credit to my boss, Brian Robbins, did, didn't waste one second and said every single network, including Nick Jr. Um, we did wanna make a statement um, in regards to where our support lies. We also truly, truly believe that education and enlightenment starts at a very young age and that we have the platform to help start education and actually um, foster those difficult conversations but also help educate and enlighten is the word that we like to use so not just entertain but also enlighten and so it was a very simple decision uh, to go dark for eight minutes and 46 seconds and so there was a couple different spots. There was a George Floyd, um, eight minutes and 46 seconds of a man breathing, a very, very provocative that caused a lot of, um, a lot of conversation, I will say, on, on Twitter and social, just about how to talk to children. And we also mm -hmm. ran a kid's bill of rights um, for eight minutes and 46 seconds so that you have the right to be heard. You have the right to not be judged by the color of your skin. You have the right to an education. That's turned into a much larger campaign that we're running. Uh, but that also, so there was, it was a very easy decision decision for us and you know we believe you know all the conversation you know really opened up to say listen you know we can actually talk to our kids about more difficult things and it allowed us to say listen we're treating our children like with kid gloves and we're also treating our children you know some people have different experience and some kids live in fear every day and we owe it to ourselves for white children for black children to open this conversation because racism starts between the ages of two and four and is embedded by age 12 and i think that we have them in the sweet spot two to two to eleven and so we cannot not help in this situation and thus i think then moving on to the juneteenth um education that we did on that friday the 19th and then moving to alicia keys we did another town hall for race kids and unity um that again you could watch on youtube if you'd like it's a really incredible some schools have picked it up um to sort of teach and help uh start the conversation but but it was not hard for us at all and we're, we're continuing to i've you know i've now made this an initiative at nickelodeon where you know we're putting money behind it and i'm working with maverick carter uh, LeBron's company, and we're, we're hopefully working with them. We're coming up with ways we could work together uh, to develop content, whether short form, long form, that this is not just a campaign, it's a sustained, sustained effort um, that we continue to do both inside the company and outside the company, meaning diversify our employees also, as well as our vendors and our outside, behind the camera, in front of the camera. It's become a huge initiative for us, and we are definitely not slowing down. What's the biggest challenge for, you know, you and your executive team during COVID itself, when it first hit, were you surprised by any of the remote capabilities or did, did you feel like that was going to work out? You, you have obviously worked in some progressive companies in the past. Um, did, did you yourself, are you missing it, like random interactions in the office and travel or are you loving this? Like a little bit of just like the insights to leaders during this time. I think it's incredible how people have creatively pivoted and sort of embraced and, and solved a lot of the creative adaptability, if you will. So mm -hmm. yes, I think we all miss a little bit of those hallway conversations and we miss being able to, you know, uh, basically just 
knock on, walk in and talk to somebody. But I think what's been really great is we've been able to figure out how to do our work, um, even if it comes down to shoots, like working with families to shoot themselves. And I think what we've, you know, I think Gary, you and I talked a little bit about this as sort of you know, the humanistic approach with the stuff we're doing now is a lot less polished and actually it's working better for us because it's more mm -hmm. human and it's more about actually families and them interacting together. So I think that's been a really positive. I'll say the hardest thing for us is that not being in production with new shows. So we're coming up, we're not able to go on set. So I think just keeping the content live uh, alive, meaning that we're coming up with shows like Unfiltered, which is sort of a, a, a game show that we that we do completely remotely. We have these Danger Force shorts we're doing completely remote. Um, our marketing team is now developing shows. We developed a SpongeBob fan favorite special with the cast um, rereading. Cool. Um, you should go check it out. It's really fun. I will. They're, they're, they're at, they're, they're, it's on YouTube, but they're, they're um, acting out famous scenes and it's really great. But, so we're just coming up with kind of creative ideas of what programming could be because this might last for a really long time. Animation, obviously. How, is how, 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 how long, yeah, animation's in a better spot than live action yeah. or filming. Do you feel like this is, like what's your personal, like any insights to that? I mean, are we looking at, I mean, at this point it feels like the rest of this year is definitely not going to be the normal we knew prior to this. Is there, is there programming concerns? Or because I was gonna just ask that, your animation chops, do you feel like you're sitting in a little bit of a better spot than maybe some of your contemporaries? I think we are setting, I mean, animation takes a really long time to do. So we're having to speed up that right. process a little bit, but it's really great. We have some amazing shows like Casa Grande and Loud House. We have new SpongeBob. We have It's Pony we just renewed. Um, uh, we've also just, you know, greenlit a bunch of other things that will happen come next summer. So we're, I think we're in a very good place there. And I think we're also in a very good place that we've got an incredible YouTube team that comes from full screen uh, run by Ashley Kaplan that actually can make incredible content. Uh, remotely really well. So I think we're in a really good spot, but I would say that for the rest of this year, it is gonna be challenging, um, you know, especially with what's happening in California, how it seems to be getting worse at the moment. But we're cautiously optimistic that we'll get a few things in and we're shooting some things in Vancouver, which is in a better space. So I think we're definitely gonna have a good Q4. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, that's the thing. I think some people that are able to shoot, let's say in Europe might be at a better place, but if you can shoot in Canada, you know. Right, 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 right. It makes a lot of sense. Roy? Um, as a, as a parent, how much does that, how much does that help you at your job? immensely. <laughs> Another reason I say I take each job I take for a reason. When I took audio, I wanted to learn audio. I took this job, one, because I wanted to see if I, well, one, I love Brian Robbins. I think he's an incredible leader <laughs> and I always wanted to work for him. Um, and I also just felt going, being six years sort of on the digital side, what could I bring to a linear channel that's evolving into digital to help it make that move? Um, but it's also, I would, would be lying if I said it does, I, I can't, I love it that I'm a hero at my, at, that I, that my six-year-old kid loves what I do, um, and also loves mm -hmm. the stuff I work on. But I also have a focus group of one here, uh, that I can, I yeah. can bounce things off him and I run trailers behind him and sit, you know, in front of him. And so it's really incredible. And also it's really helped to open dialogue. You know, the thing we were talking about before with George Floyd and racism about how I talk to my child. Um, and it's helped that figure out like, how do I talk to a kindergartner about racism? He's going to be in first grade. And how do I talk to a six, six, um, like a sixth grader? And it's very different. And so we're finding these ways to figure out how do I make the most impact with each age? And so I do have one focus group of one here that's six that I can bounce some things off of. Um, can, a really important question for me. Can you please 
go to some sort of warehouse and steal some rare Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff for me so I can flip it on eBay? Is that, can, we, can we make that trade? Is that, is that allowed? No, no comment on this big part, but we, do have <laughs> we have some new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle stuff coming up, which I'm super excited about. Is it, you know, one thing I'm very fascinated by, I just heard new SpongeBob, new TMNT, right? Like, it's kind of intriguing. Just give a little glimpse into this that I think a lot of viewers wouldn't think about, which is the incredible opportunity that once an inc a franchise does hit that status, it really does play quote unquote in perpetuity. Like you actually get to reboot, restructure, think about, spin off. It, it is a real gift to be able to play with these kind of franchises. It's also probably a huge responsibility. I'm sure there's a lot of emotion and politics behind it, but it is fascinating. I mean, just when, when I heard you say, you know, some new SpongeBob, I'm like, ooh, you know, TMT, ooh. Like, like it's, it's powerful to have these franchises. Thoughts? Extremely powerful for us. And just also, we have the whole CP side of this. So we know that, you know, that the, from a plush perspective, like, like Blue's Clues right now is the number one toy in Walmart, even during this period of time. I think people are looking for some comfort, but, but we have that whole side of where it actually, they can, we can actually touch um, lives in a bunch of different areas when we create these franchises. But like SpongeBob, yes, new SpongeBob still plays incredibly well. Um, and then also the spinoffs, like we're talking, we have Camp Coral coming up, we have a Patrick Starr spinoff, we have a Sandy Cheek spinoff. So we really are able to build on that franchise because all of the characters are so rich. And then working on the Broadway play um, that we aired, also the SpongeBob musical, if you haven't seen that, it is so fun. Um, but it's really, it really <laughs> takes it into a different realm, but also just as the same humor. I thought that was super, I saw it, it was super clever. Like that was a challenge. Oh, huge so, challenge. You know, when, when I first heard it, I'm like, eh. yeah, I, I thought I it was, was extremely like, well done. Not, yeah. not, by the way, not ooh, like, I don't, like, I was pumped. I was like, ooh, I'm an operator. So I'm like, ooh, how the hell would I operate that? Like, where are you going creatively with that? And I thought it was super clever where, well, I, where they I took think the that. biggest thing that was hard is that SpongeBob doesn't know people exist. So he doesn't really understand the world. And so then you've got people playing SpongeBob and Patrick. And so there's that little suspension of disbelief you have to create. And, and those characters have to really embody those characters under the sea in Bikini Bottom. And they did an incredible job. So Jenny, you did an incredible job here. Thank you for your time. Hope you have a great, great rest of the week. And thank you for your leadership and marketing community. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. It was good to see all of you. Bye-bye. All right, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Hey, podcast. Joe from Team Gary here. Today's highlighted review is The Best by PNGuyan13. I unintentionally took a hiatus from listening, but I'm glad I started again. He's both positive and real, two qualities everyone should strive for and he delivers real-life examples on how one can pursue their purposes in life. If you haven't started listening yet, the best time to start is after reading this. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.